Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to be free, brothers. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you do speak to us today. I pray that you will renew our minds, just as the song we just sang said, dear Lord, that you would, you would build your church, dear Lord, so that you would receive glory. God, that's what we are here for today. God, sometimes we like to make things about us. We like to make it about our church or our church service or our people or our this or our that or our problems or our good days or our bad days. But God, it is not about us. It is about you. And God, I pray that you help our hearts to be focused on that fact today, that you help us to center on that fact. Maybe some of us have kind of gotten off track and we we're going to and fro, dear Lord, and we've made, we've made our relationship with you too much about us and not enough about Jesus. And so, God, I pray that you keep us focused on the cross, that you keep us on Jesus, that you keep us in your word, dear Lord. And God, we thank you for being good to us, for being gracious to us. Dear Lord, we don't deserve your mercy and we thank you for it. But everything you do for us, dear Lord, everything we have, every way you've blessed us, God, we need to take that and turn it back for your glory. And so, God, I pray that you would just hide me behind the cross. I pray that you humble my pride, dear Lord. I pray that you just... Speak the words through my mouth that you would have us to hear today. God, I pray that you would help me not to, not to ramble on. I pray that you would recall just to my mind the right words to say, dear Lord, today, that in everything you will be lifted up, that in everything glory will be to you, that in everything we will focus on Jesus Christ in this building today. Speak to us, Lord. Renew our minds. Work in our hearts. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is a good passage because it, 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 it tells us something that's very important. If, if we fail to see that throughout the rest of Scripture, and that is, is that love is significant. It is, in my opinion, the most important thing. Now, we see love exhibited in the most beautiful way through Jesus Christ. What does love have to do with it, as Tina Turner would say? Well, when it comes to Christianity, as we see in these verses... Love has everything to do with it. It has everything to do with it. We talked about that very briefly at the end of the sermon last week, and my mind has been kind of working in this direction. And when I was reading this week and looking through and came across this verse, I said, boy, this verse really does kind of put things into perspective as to how important love is. It says, for you were called to be free, brothers, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now we are free in Christ. Praise the Lord. That's a beautiful, wonderful thing. But Paul is saying here that we can use our freedom for the flesh, for our own fleshly desires. But Paul says, look, don't use your freedom that you have in Christ to sin. Rather, use your freedom to do what is good, to do the Lord's work. Don't use it as an opportunity for the flesh, but to serve one another through love. Now that's a good verse for us to listen to. That we are not called to use our freedom in, 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 that we have in Christ Jesus to sin, but we are to use it to serve one another through love. Now that doesn't sound so bad, does it? Well, it doesn't at first. At first glance, the idea of serving one another through love 
may not sound so bad. But as we dig into Scripture a little deeper, and we begin to read the rest of Scripture, and we see what love really is, and what love really requires of us, the idea of serving one another through love is a little more difficult. Now, upon first reading that passage, we think about all the people that we love. And we think, boy, I would gladly serve him. I would gladly serve her. I would gladly serve in this way and that way. What we don't think about is all the people that we don't love. Now, we should be willing to love. We should have the desire to love them and to serve them too. It's easy for us to serve those whom we love. And we should love everyone. But that's not as easy to do. And therefore, our service to everyone in love is not as easy as it may first appear. He says in verse 14, For the entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now that's pretty cut and dry right there. The entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now if we want to fulfill what God calls us to. We don't live under the law of the Old Testament as the people of the Old Testament did. We live under the grace of Jesus Christ. That brings with it a lot of freedoms. So what are we to do with the law? Well, as Jesus would say, love the Lord your God with all your mind, your heart, soul, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Paul would affirm that here in these very verses. How do we fulfill what the law requires of us, what the law calls us to? is we love people. Now, if we love everyone, then guess what that will mean? That will mean we will fulfill everything that God calls us to do. Because if we love everyone, we would never hurt anyone. We would never say anything mean to anyone. We would never steal from anyone. We would never lie to anyone. All of these things are things that you do not do to people that you love. Now some of you may be saying, well, I've done those things to some people that I love. Well, we need to change our lifestyle then. If we see that we do those things, then we have to say, well, do we really love that person at all? If we're willing to do some of or all of those things, we really have to begin to look at our life and we have to say, boy, do I really know what love is? Now the best way for us to know what love is is to read God's Word. If we want to know and we want to see, I'm talking about see it lived out, what love is, then we read God's Word. We look to Jesus Christ. We see that He was loved throughout of His whole ministry. We see that He was loved when He went to the cross. We see that He was loved when He died for us. We see that He was loved when He was forgiving those who were doing those things to Him while He was on the cross. If we want to see what love is, we look to Jesus Christ because He shows us what love is. Now, as I was reading and studying uh, this week, I came across a, a, an article uh, by J. Vernon McGee, or it might have been something I was listening to, I'm not sure. But he was talking about Christians, and I tend to agree with him on this, on this matter. And he said that there are three ways that a Christian can live their life. One is legalism. Legalism is a way that a Christian can live their life. Now, that is, we can be legalistic. Now, I'm not talking about following the laws of this land. I'm talking about pretending and, and acting like that we are really religious and righteous before God, 
when in all actuality our heart is far from God. Or maybe even we are of God, but we put a little too much emphasis on the things that we do, uh, that we are better Christians because we do this or we do that. And we begin to put too much focus on the things that we do And when we do that as a result, maybe unintentionally, but the truth is, when we do that, we take the focus off of Jesus. Now, the focus has to stay on Jesus because everything is centered upon Jesus. Now, we can be legalistic as Christians, or we may, some may not even be Christians, yet they are legalistic. They are going through a lot of religious motions but yet their heart is far from the Lord. Matthew chapter 23, you can turn there if you like. You don't have to, but if you would like to. Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28, give us an example of what the Bible talks about. Now, we don't find the word legalism or legalistic in Scripture, but I think the idea is found pretty, uh, pretty commonly uh, throughout the teachings of the New Testament. Uh, as Jesus encounters different people and kind of kind of calls them out for the way that they're living, or Paul kind of points out some similar things. I think the idea is common in the, in the text. Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every impurity. In the same way, on the outside you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, those verses are some good verses to sum up what being legalistic would be. It would mean that we go through all the motions of what religion is. Now, I don't want you to be religious. Now, some of y'all may be saying, well, golly, that's bad advice. Y'all are going to go tell the world. My preacher said, don't be religious. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. I don't want you to just be religious because there are lots of people in this world who are very religious, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't serve Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So I don't want anyone to just be religious. I want you to have a personal relationship in Jesus Christ. Now, that in turn will lead to you being religious, but unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are merely being legalistic. And maybe even for some who do have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we fall into that trap. We try to make ourselves look really good on the outside, and people say, oh, well, he's such a good man, he's such a good woman. And maybe to the eye, we are good men and women. God doesn't look at what's on the outside. He looks at what's inside the heart. Now, we're not God. We can't see the heart, so we look at the fruit that people produce, and that's how we're able to kind of gauge uh, those who are of the Lord and those who are not. Anyone can profess to be a Christian, but we show it in the way that we live. We can fall into the trap of being legalistic and thinking that our actions are what save us or make us closer to God. But that's not true. What saves us and draws us closer to God is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. So we can, as Christians, live legalistically. That's one of the three ways that we can live. But that's not, that's not a successful means of living. That's not a successful way to live our Christianity. Another way that sometimes we live as Christians is we live with a license. That is, a license to sin. 
Now, there are some who think they are religious and, and act all religious and that that's going to draw them closer to the Lord. And they try very hard to follow all these checkboxes and things, which are oftentimes not required or called to us by God. On the flip side, there are some Christians in the world that say, oh, I'm free. That's what Paul's talking about here. He says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity to sin. There are some that say, hey, I'm free. I'm in grace. I can do what I want to do. But if we say that, we haven't really read the scripture close enough because that's not what our freedom calls us to do as Paul clearly points out in these verses. No, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for sin to reign in your life, but instead use your freedom as a way to bring love through all those you encounter so that you can serve them. There are some Christians in the world, many I would say, who say, hey, look, I'm free in Christ, and we are, praise the Lord, but... We can't use that as a license to sin. There's a good verse that talks about that in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Why should we say then, excuse me, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin, still live in it. So as Christians, we can't say, well, I'm saved now, I'm free for sin, let me just go out and sin all the more because of my freedom in Christ. Paul would say, absolutely not. That's not the right attitude to have. That's not the right way to live our life. Because that's just not a good way for a Christian to live. We cannot be legalistic, and we cannot live with a license to sin in a way that I believe is going to be pleasing to God. Yes, we can live in those ways, but the third way and the best way, as I believe Paul tells us here in Galatians chapter 5, is we can live in love. If we're living in love, that's the right way to live. That's how we should be living our life as Christians. That's how we should be using our freedom and our liberty and our newfound grace as a new creation in Christ Jesus. We take that love that has been poured out on us, that we have heard uh, someone speak to us, they preach to us, we see it in the scriptures in whatever way that we encounter the good news of Jesus Christ, we feel that love. We recognize that we are sinners and we appreciate that love and that grace that comes with that all the more, because we recognize our wretched state and our need for a Savior. And therefore, as Christians, we, we don't have to follow a checklist of things that we have to do. Uh, we don't have to say, okay, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. Uh, I've already got Jesus, therefore I'm done. I don't have to come to church anymore. No, those are not, that's not the way that we live our life as a Christian. Instead, we take our newfound freedom and the new grace that we have received and the love that we have received, and we say, all right, that's how I want to live my life from now on. I want to take the love I have received, and I want to give it to other people. The Scripture says we have received freely, therefore we give freely. And that's what we are to do. Whatever grace and mercy and love that we have received from God, we got that not because we deserve it, we got it because God loved us and was gracious to us. Therefore, if we are a child of God and we are following our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then that is the motto that we follow. Uh, the, excuse me, the model that we follow. We follow that model. That is, we are going to encounter people that do not deserve our love, 
that do not deserve mercy and grace, that are bad to us, that are mean to us, that do horrible things to us and treat us in horrible ways. But the Bible would say to those people, those are the ones you love. Now that's the tough part. If we're talking about serving people in love, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where it becomes very difficult. The, the Bible talks frequently about love. You don't have to read very far to see that love is a key thing when it comes to the Christian life, when it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus. You don't have to read far to determine that love is what makes everything better. Love is what would fix everything in this world if we all loved one another the way that we should. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. That's a good verse right there. That's a good reminder. There are tons of verses. If you get on the internet or you uh, look in one of your, your favorite Bible books that tells you the meanings of words or how, how often you might find words in the Bible, you can look up love and you can find love everywhere in God's Word. It's everywhere. You will have no shortage of finding passages just like this. Why? Because love is important. That needs to be instilled in us. But love doesn't always come easy. That's why we need to read these scriptures. That's why we need to be reminded of these things. Because above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. I can't help but think about Jesus on the cross there, the ones who had nailed him to the cross and are mocking him. And there as he's hanging, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And now that's love right there. To pray for the forgiveness, uh, to forgive those people who are doing that, boy, that's, that's what love really is. That might be a good, a good practical way for us to begin to work through areas in our life where we struggle loving people. There may be people in your life that you just are really having a hard time loving. They're there. They're, they're there. I can say with, almost with certainty that most of us probably have those people that are really hard to love. Maybe the best way to begin to break through those barriers and that anger and that hatred that we may have toward them, a good way to start breaking those things down is to pray for them. Now, praying for them may not only help them. What we will find oftentimes is when we begin to pray for other people, guess who it helps? Helps you. Now, they might not change. You may pray for them every day for five years, and they may not ever change. But you know who will change? You. And you begin to be gentle with them. You begin to be compassionate with them. You stop hating them, and you start loving them. Instead of saying, God, I just don't want nothing to do with that person. Keep them away. Instead, you say, thank you, God, for putting this person in my life. God, I want you to be with them. God, I, for I forgive them for what they've done to me. And your heart has changed. And you've experienced what love is. You have grown in Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a good measure for if we're, if we're growing in the Lord. Are we able to forgive people? Are we able to love people as Jesus did? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, it says, If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Now, we, that's a tough verse right there because most, if not all of us, would say, I love God. But do we have those people in our life that we would say that we hate? Now, sometimes we would say, I don't hate them, but I just don't like them very much. 
Well, that may be true. That may be true. You may not hate them. You may just dislike them. I think that that's a possibility. But a lot of times, even though we say the words, I just dislike them, what's really in our heart is not dislike. What's really in our heart is hate. Now, we have to look at ourselves and we have to say, well, if I'm saying I love God in my heart, but yet in my heart I'm also having hate for other people, then we need to deal with that. We have to deal with it. We don't want to be okay as Christians, if you are a Christian, with just living in sin. You don't want to be okay with, well, I know I should love him, but I'm just not going to. Well, I don't think that that's an acceptable, acceptable way to live, an acceptable attitude for us to have. Now, it may be true that some of us in here love the Lord and we are genuinely His. But there also may be some hatred for those who are around us. Now, we might not utter the words. It doesn't matter if you say, I hate that person or I hate that person. It doesn't matter if you say it because God sees what's in your heart. Now, you may be in here today. I don't know anybody's heart, and I don't know anybody that, that does anything with it. I don't know anything. I'm just saying this, and maybe you need to hear it or maybe you don't. But there may be somebody that you just hate, and you just I'm talking about you just hate them, and you don't want to see them. You want to avoid them, and you come to church, and you got all of us fooled. We might not have a clue the hatred that's in your heart. I hope it's not in there, but there may be some in somebody's heart. But you know who does know? That's God. And so if it's there, God knows it. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know it. And if God knows it and we knows it, we know, excuse me, then that's enough. That's all that needs to know it. Now we have to make the decision, what are we going to do with what we know? You see, because love is not just a feeling. I think a lot of times in our, in our society, in our culture, we, we get love wrong because we look at love as a feeling. Now, don't misunderstand. When you do love someone, it brings with it feelings. That's natural. That's true. That happens. When you love someone, you have certain feelings toward them, good feelings usually. But love is more than a feeling, to quote the old Boston song. That's a good song. More than a feeling. I won't sing it to you. But love is more... I'm using a lot of song titles. What's love got to do with it more than a feeling? But love is more than a feeling. Love is an action. Love is a choice. You can choose to love someone or not love someone. Who gets to make that choice? Well, you get to make that choice. Love was a choice for God for us. God didn't have to love us. God could have said, I love you. But if God would have said, I love you, and not really loved us, well, guess what? We would be in bad shape. Because just saying you love someone doesn't mean that you love them. How do we know that we love someone? Through our actions. Love is not a, is not a feeling. It's an action. We can say we love someone all day long. Oh, I love you so much. Oh, I love you. I'm, I'm here for you because I love you so much. But if you're not actually there for someone, and you're not actually helping someone in their time of need when they desperately need it, guess what? You probably don't really love them. Now, love is a choice. God chose to love us. God didn't have to love us, but God chose to because God is love. Now get this right here now. Now we're created in the image of God. 
And we are followers of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, who is love. And if God, who is love, made the choice for us, and if Jesus Christ, who is love, made the choice to die for us, then guess what we should do as Christians? We should choose to love everyone. Ooh, that's tough right there, right? We should choose to love everyone. And guess what else? It's not easy. It's not easy to love people. Now, sometimes what we do, or what I do, is someone will do something really bad or say something really bad or something will go on, and I'll say, I just don't want to have anything to do with them. What I'm doing is, is I'm choosing not to love them. But I don't believe that that's what God calls us to, and that's what God wants us to do. I believe that God wants us to love other people. I believe that God wants us to be patient and kind and gentle with other people. And so therefore, we look at our life, we examine our life, we see those areas where maybe love is not what it's supposed to be, and we ask God to help us. We pray for those who are against us, our enemies, those who are just unlovable. We pray for them. We pray for us. And we do that day after day after day after day after day. And eventually, we see God work, sometimes in our life and in their life. Sometimes it may just be in our life. But I believe wholeheartedly that when we begin to pray for those that we don't love, God will change at least one heart. And sometimes He changes two hearts. But it's something that we have to work at. It's something that we have to choose. It's something that we have to say, God, I'm going to let this person know that I love them. You don't have to tell somebody that you love them, although it's good. There's nothing wrong with it. People can see if you love them based on how you treat them. People can see it. Even if you can never speak a word, the way that you treat people, they will know if you love them. Not just people that you know and you see every day, every week. People that you run into in the grocery store. They can tell. People are smart. Y'all are smart. You know when somebody really loves you and when somebody don't love you. You know it. You can tell. Don't have to be spoken in words. And that's why love is an action. If you want to tell people and show people that you love them, then show them that you love them. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, This is how we have come to know love. He laid down His life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers. Now, this is the tough part right here. <coughs> This is how we have come to know love. He laid down His life for us. We know love because of what Jesus did. He laid down His life for us. Now that's good stuff. Praise the Lord. We love reading those verses and, and, and seeing the grace that we have through God and the forgiveness that we have through Jesus Christ giving His life and that He loved us so much that He gave His life for us. Praise the Lord for that. But the verse doesn't stop there. It doesn't just say, praise the Lord, Jesus gave His life for you. It says, we should also lay down our lives for our brothers. Now that's the ultimate way to know you love someone. That's the ultimate way you know you love someone. How did Jesus prove to us and show us that He loved us? He gave His life for us. He was willing 
to die for us. Now this is tough stuff right here now. This is tough. If we really want to see, engage, if we love someone, we can ask ourselves this question. Am I willing to die for them? Am I willing to die for them? That's how you can know if you really love somebody. And that's pretty easy to do sometimes. Here's, here's, here's an easy one right here. Would you lay down your life for someone? Would you give your life for someone? If it was your kid or your grandkid, don't raise your hand, but I would be willing to say if I asked that, that everybody in here would raise their hand. I'd give my life. If, if me giving my life would save theirs, I would do it. I would give my life to save their life. That's an easy one right there. We would all do that. Our spouses. Would you give your life to save your wife, men? After all, that's what we're called to do if we're going to follow Jesus' example. Would you give your life for your wife? Would you give your life for your husband? Those are the easy ones to do. Those are people that we genuinely love. But what about those people that, that we hate? What about those people that we just really dislike? What about those people that we say we love? Would we be willing to lay down our life for them? Now that question is, in some sense, easy to answer. If it just means giving of our life, some people would say, oh yeah, I'll give my life for all my friends and family. I'll give my life for anybody because I love them. That's an easy one to say, yeah, I'll do that, because realistically, that's probably never going to happen. Now, it may. I'm not saying it can't. But realistically, that's probably not a choice that we will have to make. Hopefully not. I hope that Noah has to make that choice in his room, or anywhere for that matter. But I believe that laying down our life for someone is more than just giving of our life. I don't, I don't think it just means simply dying for someone. I think more so it means living for someone. Now, in many ways, at least in, in my thinking, that's much more difficult than dying for someone. We may be willing to die for someone. We die, we're done. We go to be with the Lord. But the real question that we need to ask, I believe, is are you willing to live for someone? You see, when Jesus laid down His life, He didn't just die for us. He had laid down His life for years before that. He had laid down everything and put the needs of everyone else before His. Now that's what love is, and that's what laying down your life for someone really means. Yeah, we can ask, are we willing to die for someone? That's a good question. But a better question is, are we willing to live for them? Because guess what? If you're not willing to live for somebody, then you're not willing to die for them. If you're not willing to give everything you can, to do whatever you can for those who are around you that God has put into your path, if you're not willing to take care of them and to meet their needs and to sacrifice your own needs, whatever you can to meet their needs, to see that they're protected, if you're not willing to live for them and give everything that you have for them, Guess what? You're not going to die for them. But Jesus showed us what it means to lay down a life. 
We see that in Scripture. And that is what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. If we are a follower of Jesus and we are going to follow His example, then we must be willing to live for others. And that is hard to do. Because we're pretty selfish in our society today. I think it's getting worse. We're a pretty selfish society. We really worry about our own needs. But what Jesus shows us and calls us to is to worry about the needs of others. And that's hard to do because that means that we will have to sacrifice. That means that we will have to suffer. That means that we will have to do without. And I don't like to do without. I don't like to suffer. But Jesus didn't either. I don't think Jesus liked suffering on the cross. I think Jesus humbly died on that cross for you and I to be forgiven. I think He willingly did it because He knew that's what had to be done. But I don't know that He liked it. I don't know that He liked to suffer. I don't know that anybody likes to suffer. But are we willing to live for those around us? Are we willing to put the needs of others above the needs of ourselves? Sometimes maybe we are, other times maybe we're not. But I see Christians. I see them all around the world. And they say, I love these people. And you know what? I believe that they do. Because many of these missionaries that I see in the world, they leave everything that they have here. They leave the comforts of air conditioning, which some of y'all are saying, I wish we didn't have it, it's too cold in here. They, they, they leave the comforts of heat They leave the comforts of having an automobile. They leave the comforts of having food to eat every day. They leave all that. They travel across the ocean. They go to a group of people they've never met before that don't even speak their own language, and they go there because they love them. That's the only reason that you would do that. Why else would you give up everything and go to a people you don't even know that could hate you, that could kill you? I can tell you why. Because you love them. And we see that with Christians all over the world. But you don't have to travel across the seas. You don't have to go across the oceans to show people that you love them. You can show people that you love them right here in Amit County. Church, we don't want to be those who are legalistic. We are not saved by our works. We are not saved because we check check boxes. We are not saved because of how many times we go to church in our life. That's just legalistic. And we may feel better about those things, and those things may, may indeed be well and good, but those things are not what save us. That's not what defines the life of the Christian. We don't want to live with a license to sin, Christian. We are freed in Jesus Christ by His grace and by His mercy, and praise the Lord. But we don't use that to sin. Say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Christ now. I didn't come to church. I accepted Jesus. I got baptized. I'm done. I'm just waiting on Him to come back. I'm on sin the rest of my life, and I don't care because I'm a child of God. Now, there are many Christians, hopefully none in this room, but maybe so. You live in that way, and you shouldn't. That's not how we're called to live. That's not what defines our life. But what does define our life, Christian, 
is our love for one another. That's what defines us. That's what shows us that we are a child of God. When we say, God, I love you, and we show it by loving our brothers and sisters, by loving those that we encounter, no matter how rich, how poor, no matter what the color of their skin, no matter what language they speak, no matter how nice they are to us or how mean they are to us. We love them just as Christ loved us. That's easy to say, but it's hard to do. So we work at it. If you see some areas in your life where you're not loving people like you should, pray about it. Pray that God would change your heart. Pray that God would change their heart if they're, if they're doing something that's it's, it's just evil to you. If you're not showing the people that you love that you love them, then show them that you love them by the little things you do. Everybody's love language is a little different. There was a popular book that came out years ago about love languages. Everybody's got a different love language. That is, we all show our love in different ways, and it may be that people are showing their love to you and you don't even realize it. The little things that they may do for you or say to you, it may be showing that they love you even though you miss it. But we need to show people that we love them. And for those people that we encounter in our life, both those who are close to us and those that we meet on the street, we need to be willing to live for them. If there is a need that can be met, then we need to be willing to do what we can to help those who have a need. We need to be willing to put the needs of others before our own. And that, saying that words, boy, I can feel the Holy Spirit just cutting through me right now. I can feel it. And maybe some of you can too. So let's pray for each other. That we love others, Jesus, love others as Jesus has loved us. That we give all we can to show our love and to prove our love to a lost and dying world. And when a world sees a love like that, it's irresistible. Let's pray. God, I come to you this morning. I thank you for these words. And man, God, these are some tough things for us. These, these words call us to some, to some heavy stuff, to some hard, hard things, dear Lord. Your, your word teaches us hard things. God, there are people in our lives that, that do us wrong. And God, maybe they don't deserve our love and don't deserve our forgiveness. But God, let us not forget that we don't deserve your love and your forgiveness. So God, we're no better than anybody else. God, I pray that you would just help us to love like you loved. Dear Lord, I don't know that it's something that comes instantly. Maybe it does. Or God, maybe it comes with time. But dear Lord, help us if we are in this room today and we are yours. God, I pray that you help us to grow in you. I pray that you help us to learn to love the way that you love. I pray that you help us to be willing to put the needs of others above our own needs, dear Lord. And if we're not doing that, Help us to see areas that we can do that, dear Lord, and to make the most of those opportunities. God, if we say we love people, let us show them that we love them. God, let us love them in the same way that you loved them. And God, I pray that if there's one in this room that's not yours, maybe there's one that's never accepted Jesus Christ. God, I pray that today, I pray that they know what love is, dear Lord. God, I pray that they see that love in this, in this church body, in these people here, 
Dear Lord, and I pray that they know that that love does not come from anything we do. It comes from you. God, any good that's in our life, it's not because of us, God. It's because of you. And so, God, I pray that if there's one in this room that's never experienced the love of Jesus Christ, that this morning they would know that Jesus loved them so much that he gave his life on a cross for them so that they can be forgiven. And, God, I pray in this, in this, in this moment and this morning that if there's somebody in our life that we hate, somebody that we struggle with, maybe we don't hate them, maybe we just, we just struggle with them, dear Lord, and we don't want to. God, help us to see those things. Help us to give those things to you. And I pray that you transform our heart. I pray that you, you help us to grow in love, that we love like you do. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.